Hey, Afronauts. I'm Jill Tu. I'm Beatrice Eicher, and welcome to the Afronauts podcast, a mood for the culture and the future. We provide speculative writing encouragement, resources, and entertainment. If you'd like to support this podcast financially, you can find us at Afronauts Pod on Ko-fi or check the link in our Twitter profile. Today, we'll be discussing short fiction with our guest, Elle Lewis. She's an award-winning SFF writer and editor and project manager for FIA Literary Magazine. Thank you so much for joining us today, Elle. Thank you for having me. I am joining you from the day after election day. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Here, <laughs> yes. In Georgia. In Georgia. So, oh, same, gosh, y'all. Same um, yeah. I know it's funny, like, podcasts, like, time tunnel. I don't even know when this airs. This airs I know, this in is... January? I don't know when this episode comes out. I think it's after January. Yeah, February. so, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe people have done some, some healing. People, <laughs> oh, I was about to God. say, people can grieve. They'll be in the grieving process. We're, we're going back to a runoff, and I just... That's right. That's right. I cannot again. I've I've like voted every year now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't end. Can't we just decide? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I, I feel you there. Um, cool, let's get into it. So I know there are writers who do both short and long fiction. You are one of them. Um, but for a lot of listeners, I think a lot of our listeners are writers of longer fiction. So short stories are kind of like this uncrackable mystery and I, I, I'm there. Um, I cannot, I cannot fathom them. So I'm curious, uh, when did you first start getting into short fiction and how long did it take you to sell your first piece? Uh, so yeah, so I came into writing, um, purely doing long, long form. Um, and by long form, I mean way too long, um, stuff that, um, (laughs) That by traditional public standards is unpublishable because it's like a hundred thousand words over like what you should be aiming for. Oh no! Oh wow! Um, so very, 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 very long form. Um, let me see. So first short I wrote was for Daniel Jose Older was editing one of Lightspeed's People of Color Destroy. Um, issues. I don't remember what it was specifically, but I I was writing specifically for that. Um, And uh, I was part of a writing group where a few of us were trying to write to that theme specifically. Um, And so like that was kind of my first foray into like having like beta readers um, as well. So uh, that story did not sell. Did not do well. Um, Which is is fine. I, I cannibalized it. So it ended up in other things in various pieces. Oh, that's um, nice. I always mm, love when we could do that. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Yeah. Um, second story, I actually sold. And it was in the, it's it's kind of cheating because it was in the first issue of Fire. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Not cheating. Is. That's resourceful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with Fire Literary Magazine for Black Stone <laughs> Fiction, um, I'm one of the co-founders of that. Uh, we started in 2016, and what we did with the first issue, oh, we're, we're Hugo winners, World Fantasy Award winners, yeah, a couple of additional nominations, uh, some, some other stuff, uh, award-nominated convention, 
for Hugo. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. We've spawned a bunch of stuff. Like it's been a very busy, like five or six years, but for the first issue, um, to kind of act as a proof of concept, uh, we kept the stories to like staff only or the people who were in, in our immediate kind of mm. like writers group. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, okay. And that story was, I think it ended up being like 8,000 words. So it was like a novelette. <laughs> yep. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. So, so shorter said longer. than a novella, <laughs> it still counts as short fiction, but right. it's not quite a short story. Um, so yeah, that ended up about 8,000 words. And that was actually a character vignette from the like 300,000 word behemoth I initially tried to tell. Wow. When I wow. Um, character vignettes. Yeah, those are actually super useful. I um I kind of, I wrote, I write them. Um, for specific characters kind of figure out like how they fit into the world or whatever and you know mm. you treat specifically in fantasy where you have like typically a pretty large cast of characters you want to kind of engage with them as whole people with their own individual stories and you know mm-hmm. so who was this character before they met all of this stuff you mm-hmm. know that's happening in this this mm-hmm. giant work um so that's just Sarah and that was like 8,000 words and everybody loved it and <laughs> um that actually allowed me to sell a novella later on kind of in the same universe um and so yeah and then like the 300,000 word thing actually got cut down to like 300,000 word novels and stuff so um yeah it uh all of my my short story stuff has gotten shorter (laughs) since then Mm -hmm. um I don't think I have done anything else like longer than 8,000 words so um with all of the shorts I've published since, um, each one is kind of, I kind of get into each one as a challenge um, to see how grand or how intricate of a story I can tell in a certain number of words. Hmm. Or, oh, um, okay. or um, you know, I don't see, um, let's say like older, you know, black female protagonists represented and stuff. Like, how, how can I do, you know, that type of character? Or mm-hmm. I've never written a fight scene. Can I do that? And mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. okay. um, each story is its own little um, kind of adventure in in trying to explore the the short fiction universe. I still haven't gotten to uh, flash fiction. I don't understand it. Good job. <laughs> anybody who can pull it off, <laughs> I I I will probably never get there. I think the shortest thing I've written so thus far is just over like two thousand words, and that's. Um, signal that was published over at Fireside, where I was until recently the publisher. So <laughs> I'm busy. Wow. That's oh my great. gosh. I love the idea of um, approaching short stories as like intentional exercises on things you want to get better at yes. or things you want to try. That is so cool because I think um, a lot of people, and by a lot of people, I mean at least me, maybe other people, you know, you, you, you start writing short stuff and, and things in general with the idea of like, I'm going to publish this, I'm going to sell it to a market. Right. And you might right. not, like, especially when you're starting a new medium that you've never done before, mm-hmm. you might not. And, but still thinking about is like, well, at the very least I'm going to get some practice in at a skill I want to develop yeah. or something that I know I want to get better at. Um, then that time is never lost. I think, I think that's really cool. Yeah. So, so you, you write like little side quests. Oh, yep. For your, <laughs> for, <Yeah>. right? For <laughs> side it, quests. Yeah. For, for, for your that. characters. Uh, yeah. Um, so Chisira was like an origin story for a character who was like very briefly in kind of like the larger 
novel world, like still integral to that story's plot, but she was in no way like the main character. Um, but she was cool. So I just kind of gave her her own thing. And then a number of other characters have wound up with their own novellas. So inevitably when I sell this stupid thing, um, we'll have all of the novellas out there as kind of like supplementary content. Yeah. Um, everybody oh can gosh. kind of dive the into The fans that would stuff. love yes. that. I know. That's that's premium. That, that's, that would be nice. Great. Yeah. If publishing would get out of my way, but. Oh, um, yeah. It's, it's coming. <clears throat> so are there elements of your writing that you have found um, like matter more or things you play up more in short fiction versus longer fiction? <sighs> no. Um, I think in longer fiction, I rely a lot more heavily on character interaction and that's like dialogue. Like I think I yeah. do dialogue really well. Yeah. Um, but in short fiction, I think I tend to do more, most of my work is like character driven mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like plot driven. So mm-hmm. like the, the character is the plot, like that's mm-hmm. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so getting um, short stories allow me to do a bit more work on like internality yeah. for the characters. Yeah. Um, so that's that's always fun to get into. Um, it has been harder to go from writing a bunch of short stories back into long form mm-hmm. because now you've like you're you really immerse yourself in the concept of like economy of words. Right. <laughs> so right. it's like wait, now, like, how do I justify this being, you know, 50,000, you know, words when I can yeah. kind of get the core concept down mm-hmm. in, like, 10? Right, right. So that's, ah, yeah, that's been interesting, yeah. That's interesting because a lot of authors have the opposite challenge of how they're, I'm like, backwards I, I, I don't know how to fit everything into a shorter medium and you have the opposite. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like I haven't heard that before. Yeah. I think it's because like when I do a short story, like I can, I can kind of fathom this, this grander, more expansive like universe or like the bigger story that's taking place, but I'm only choosing to tell the story of a small slice of it. Whereas with, um, you know, a longer work, I'm also explaining to you what the grander, what the grander, you know, the big picture um, Mm. thing is. so going from it's it's a lot easier I, I think that strengthened my editing too um yeah 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 having to having to like really cut things down and like really kind of focus words on you know creating certain atmospheric elements so mm-hmm. wow yeah so when you are writing longer fiction in between the sentences do you have to like fill them up with stuff or do you already have things that you want to say? Are you just expanding on things that are already there or are you saying new things? For short fiction? For longer fiction. For longer fiction. Mm, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening with my current uh, long fiction is that I am now kind of working backwards. So originally, like when I started, I have to write um. I, I can't jump around in the narrative. I have to write it, you know, from page one to page two to page three. I can't, you know, like, oh, well, I know what's going to happen at this point. Let me jump off and, you know, write right. that. Um, because then, like, I'll be, I, I would become disinterested in what happens between chapters, like, one and five. Like, I'm trying to just get to five. Mm-hmm. And so, like, right. what, ha- what happens in, you know, two through four becomes, like, filler. Um, right. So going back to writing long form from short form, um, I've deviated. I, I think I've like reneged on that entirely. Uh, <laughs> I I write 
because it's so hard. I, I don't know if it's just like the state of the world or whatever, but it's very hard to just kind of like pull words. So like if I can't think of, if I'm functioning the same way I was functioning before, I can't, and I can't figure out how to end this scene, it will never get done. And then I can't move, you know, I can't move past it. If I'm mm. holding myself to like finishing the scene and then having to move, you know, chronologically. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing it, like now where I'm doing, I'm like, okay, well, I know how I want to finish this scene. Uh, but then I want to get over to this other thing. Like I will now just jump over to that other thing and yeah. fill it out and then, and then actually do the filler stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so okay. it's writing short fiction has definitely manipulated the crap out of my process um, right. <laughs> for better oh, or, or worse. In a good way. It keeps, it keeps the momentum going. It sounds like. I guess. Yeah. I don't <laughs> I feel like it would be faster paced too, wouldn't it? Because you're more succinct. No. Um, no, like I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Every, everything just takes so long and everything oh, is so okay. hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's more of, um, I know that, so I'm, I'm, I think I started out more of a panther. I think I'm more of a plant, plants, planter. Plants what's the what's a, middle one. Yeah. What's a uh-huh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm the middle planter, one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so like, I do have an outline process now for, for longer form stuff. Um, and so I can now kind of bounce around within the manuscript and be like, okay, well, I know what I want to happen in this chapter. Let me just go ahead. Like, this is a vital conversation mm-hmm. that's going to happen. I know how I want it to go. Let me just mm-hmm. write that out. Yep. And then at some point later, I can work my way up to it, you know, with all the, the in-between stuff. Um, okay. So it's a, it's a lot of that now. Um, those scenes, the, the scenes I am excited about, like those come faster now, but tying them all together takes a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I want to pivot a little bit because, so I know pre-recording, we were talking about the industry and how, how there can be a lot of challenges in the industry. Uh, I wanted to actually ask about if you had any advice for um, Black creatives who wanted to get into the short fiction industry specifically. Um, how much How much cussing would you like? I mean, we're all adults, <laughs> so speak speak your mind. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so um, a lot has been revealed about the inner workings of the industry over the last year or so. Um, looking specifically at, you know, a lot of the diversity studies and things that have come out, looking at the events of the summer of 2020 and all of the um, opportunities and things that were all of a sudden offered to Black authors and then mm-hmm. never got followed up on. Um, and then, of course, the uh, the antitrust lawsuit. Um, <laughs> so uh, we have been privy to a lot of um, information I'm sure um, a lot of publishing executives would not like us to have um, about how they view um, the people who make books happen and how they view um, authors and trying to get into traditional publishing, having consumed all of that, um, we'll just call it information, um, is is discouraging. I mean, you have to, you know, as, as a Black writer, in the field, you have to have a certain amount of, as, as a Black writer, as a Black anybody anywhere, uh, you have to have a certain right? amount of yeah. just like, you know, you know how much shit you're going to take, um, you know, but you're, you're going to do what you're going to do anyway. It's about persistence at, at, at this point. I think there's um, 
kind of this, this screen or some kind of division between what is considered marketable and what we mm. consider to be like truth in storytelling. And it's getting harder now to kind of accept from um, an industry professional, you know, the, the ideas of what makes um, a good story or a well-edited story when you see how little regard they have for authors in the first place. And so trying to navigate that, trying to navigate, um, you know, you've written the, the, the book of your heart, you know, you've, you've written the thing that you're going to put out there, um, the thing that you want to be known for, and to be told that if you completely change the bulk of it, um, it will then be marketable, and they're, they're going to throw what are now not even buckets of money at you right. <laughs> for the opportunity. That's uh, that's something to contend with. And it's it's really at the point where it's like, I can't fault anybody for backing out of the game entirely. Like it's, mm-hmm. um, there's so much more control um, in self-publishing or even working with, with a smaller, a smaller press or whatever. So I think writers everywhere, specifically like of color or like from marginalized identities have to kind of revisit what they consider being a successful writer. You know, yeah. when it advances of, you know, you, you think you're going to sell this thing and the advance is going to be, you know, high six, seven figures, and it's going to get optioned and it's you're going to get a fucking theme park and just, you know, <laughs> you have these loftier uh-huh. um, visions for uh, how your work is going to perform um, in the traditional market, but now you can't even get things on Barnes and Noble, Noble shelves. And you've, you've broken down and you've manipulated your work in order to make it marketable. And the publishers have admitted that, they don't put a lot of money into marketing and publicity. Mm-hmm. So what is the point now? Um, right. So I'm I'm looking at it more like, you know, if you want, if you don't have the stamina and you do require stamina to do like the self-publishing thing, um, you know, I would look at um, smaller presses, independent presses where, you know, you don't get as much money. You don't get a whole lot of money now in traditional publishing anyway, like with the big mm-hmm. five. Right. Um, but what you do get is um, a more intimate relationship with your with your editor. Um, everybody at a small press is more is more engaged with your work, and everyone's invested in its performance. Um, and you have more control over like what your cover art looks like, or you know what you what you want your swag to be, th- things like that. So I think it's more now about, and I don't know, I don't even know where I stand on it because right now I'm just kind of kind of just want to deck everybody in the face. Um, but, but, um, yeah, I would, I would want success to mean you've written a story and your priority is having people read it and you work with the people who are going to allow that to happen, um, whether or not they can offer you six figures or whatever for it. So, uh, stick it out, don't stick it out, but really re-examine what you want, you know, out of, out of being a writer. I think that's so important to say you really have to think about what success means to you and I guess what's possible and what makes the most sense and what's better for your mental health and mm-hmm. yep, all of those things. Yeah. And what's the most likely? I think like that expectation setting is so important because I think yeah. that's where, yeah, your heart can really get broken, both in terms of like what you think is possible, but what people, what people actually say. People actually promise some of these things. And, mm-hmm. you know, your experience won't be everyone else's experience for nope. all, all the reasons. All the reasons. <laughs> all of them. Elle, do you think, um, like, everything you just said made me, made me wonder, do you think that short fiction as a market is more meritocratic than longer yes. fiction? Yes. Yes. Um, mm. It's, 
Um, it's also a lot easier um, to, it's, it's a lot easier to start a short fiction market, like the advent of the internet is another oh, yeah. thing mm-hmm. a bit more, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. egalitarian. So um, where Faya is with the short fiction community is that it is actually like functionally a community like we we share resources and like kind of like our staff usually with um with other short fiction Mm. um markets and I think that we've kind of developed in itself like a community and an ecosystem to kind of you know you get published um in FIA you get um audio you sell audio rights or audio reprint rights to like a podcastle or whatever and you know uh from that you have uh, you end up, you know, award nominated or whatever, or you end up judging awards, stuff, mm-hmm. stuff like that from there. Yeah. Um, you end up, um, you know, on, on convention panels and then, or the convention that Faya invented. And so it's, <laughs> there's so many kind of, I think there are more interactive ways um, to kind of get involved with short fiction. I think all of the people are more accessible. I think there's a lot more transparency about process. Yeah. Um, you obviously don't get paid a whole lot more. But again, if your metric for success is having yeah. a well-executed story mm-hmm. published, mm-hmm. there you go. For, for for people to read it, that's it's 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 like it's three steps as opposed to like 26. Yeah. You know, if you're trying yeah. to publish a novel. Um, I am worried about short fiction uh, with Twitter doing Twitter things. Um mm-hmm. If this oh, airs in like yeah. January or something, we'll see if <laughs> we'll still see, here. I'm so we'll excited to exists. see what's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, uh, there are so many short fiction venues that rely on social media for their crowdfunding models. There are so many, um, so many spaces that have opened up specifically because they recognize a segment um of a marginalized community that isn't being published. Um, something like that. So yeah they they need funding they need eyes on their stuff a lot of that is done on social media um twitter specifically and so with twitter potentially going away there's the okay well what how do we reach audiences now do we go back to newsletters nobody reads newsletters everybody everyone's like so desperate to unsubscribe from things now you know nobody's gonna and and i we send uh fire sends our issues directly to um subscribers via email and we can see how many people actually open and read them right and open and download the actual stories the issues we're sending them mm-hmm. oh. it's not a hundred percent yeah so I'm I'm concerned um there are of course some magazines that will be fine but they are not the ones that are run by black and brown people Switching gears for a second, and speaking of the various magazines, um, I was reading an interview, I can't remember who it was with, but it was editor-in-chief of a, of a short fiction market um, who said that submitting a story that isn't in a market's taste is basically the same thing as a self-reject, that you have to kind of know the market you're submitting to and make sure that your story kind of fits their vibe. Um, do you agree with this? And are there any markets that you don't submit to because you just know that their taste doesn't match your writing style? I think that may be the case to a certain degree, but I think a self-reject is it's less about taste than it is about following instructions. So okay. uh-huh. if yeah. if if a market explicitly states in their submission guidelines that they don't want um, depictions of sexual assault in in their stuff, it doesn't that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. speak to the magazine's taste. It mm-hmm. speaks to this is triggering content for our our first readers or our staff, sure. and we don't want we don't want to have anything to do with it. Sure. So um, I I don't think it's so much a question of taste, um, but 
you know, to, to each their own. I don't, whatever. Are there markets that I don't submit to because I don't, we, we also don't have kind of a conversation about as writers reading uh, the, 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 the things we try to sell our, our work to. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's one of the issues that a lot of, what is it, limited, limited demographic magazines have. So magazines that only publish, only publish LGBTQ people or only publish Black people. Mm-hmm. Um, you end up getting a bit less support because the people who, the, the pool of people who are able to sell you their work is smaller. So if you uh-huh. take, if, if there is a magazine that like takes everybody, if there's, you know, uh, fantasy and science fiction, uh, takes work um, from everybody, um, white people being the largest audience represented, they are going to fund that venue because they want it to exist so that they can sell work there. Mm-hmm. Um, the fire is not going to get as much of those dollars because, well, we're white. We can't, we, that does, it doesn't benefit us, you know, mm-hmm. for the fire to exist. So, you know, not so much. Um, unless, of course, someone somewhere gets shot in a very high profile way Boo. and then fire gets the money. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. are there venues that I don't? Mm, probably not not for taste reasons like I don't yeah mm, there (laughs) so there are some markets um I either don't submit to or have perhaps been blacklisted from as the author (laughs) of a number of black specific reports um Mm. black specific reports are um used to be annual we're bringing one back uh hopefully by the end of this month I just gotten too busy um, but basically it examines the presence of Black people um, in the pages of a number of short speculative fiction venues. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the initial iterations of these um, reports, there existed magazines who were longstanding and considered prestigious who published zero Black people mm-hmm. um, yeah. and did not like <laughs> being reminded of that fact publicly. And so my being kind of the face of some of these things because I'm loud on Twitter, I'm perpetually online and I should really get help for it. But, um, but look at this yeah, work so, you're doing also. Right. So, I mean, don't forget that <laughs> also. Yes. You're, do, you're doing it, some really not just good online. Work. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, um, you know, it, I have ripples. I caused, I caused things to happen, but also there are some places where I do not feel that my work would get a fair shake because of exchanges I have had mm-hmm. with people at places that don't publish Black people. So there are places that I do not submit for that reason, but also like for taste reasons. Like there's, uh, <laughs> it just happens that a lot of these places are places I don't particularly like their editorial choices. So that's also right. fine. Yep. There you go. Could you, uh, to flip that question, could you describe kind of the taste of some of your favorite markets or markets that you think are doing interesting things right now? I like, um, I love Anathema's work. I I love how gung-ho they are about, you know, who it is that they they publish. And it's specifically queer and trans, um, like BIPOC, just, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color. Um, And... (laughs) And they they tend to air out a lot of the uh, queer people who are white and submit to them, um, but their mm-hmm. the intentionality of their their mission combined with like the types of stories that they end up acquiring and publishing the, the mm-hmm. voices that they choose to amplify that's that's always vital. Let me see, Faya obviously, 
I've got, I gotta keep plugging it. Um, that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> but um, let's see, I enjoy, um, I'm, it's hard to read a whole lot, like for pleasure. So I'm also the researcher for the LeVar Burton Reads podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of my short fiction reading is through the lens of his taste. Sure. Oh, <laughs> so, that's interesting. So that if, interesting. how would you, how would you describe LeVar Burton's taste? Yes. <laughs> for our listeners? Um, you've seen Reading Rainbow. Like that's, it's that. Um, yeah. Whereas okay. I love, love a bit of gore, like a good beheading or whatnot. He was not that's going fair. to perform that. That's so, fair. you know, we, we diverged there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he loves more um, adventurous stories. Um, hmm. And I wish that there were more of them in the word count length that, that we can accept. Like we can only go up yeah. to like 5,200 words. Got but it. like to get like a really good, like adventure, like a good meaty, lush kind of adventure story, you got to mm-hmm. go a bit higher than that. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a, a tall order to fill. But um, anything um, that is um, more hopeful, so not like a lot of grimdark, anything where there's, you know, like a message or something at the end, anything um, with a lot of like really good um, imagery, mm-hmm. um, he's he's very into. So um, sourcing stories, <laughs> we are, we're researching for season 11 now. And um, I, I read a lot of like best of um, kind of anthologies and stuff. So it's hard to spot like who the original publisher of stuff was because like, now right. it's an anthology so and then like I read a lot of um like short stories collections from specific authors so mm-hmm. it's less less so from um from the individual market markets but some of them like uncanny will send me um their issues I, I like a, a good amount of their stuff mm-hmm. I get all of escape artists um so that is the escape artist family of podcasts that's podcastle mm-hmm. escape pod pseudopod house of wonders mm-hmm. there's a cat thing now uh, oh. <laughs> so they do a lot of like audio drama uh-huh. um that's a good time um I, I I like the audio stuff now because it's harder to find time to like to read just for for pleasure so being able to for kind sure. of passive passively um absorb stories has been nice mm-hmm. so I know we've talked about some of the challenges and difficulties in the short fiction industry but I'd also like to talk about maybe what you'd like to see in the future for the short fiction market, the short fiction industry as a whole. What are you hoping to see? I want more works by people who are not white to be adapted for an animated series. I want to see visual representation of, okay. of, of the stories um, that we write collectively. And that's been like one of my big issues with like Love, Death and Robots is kind of like, eh like every every season mm-hmm. it was kind of like I think uh Ken Liu had my favorite story and I think in in any of them but that was um the first volume and like I haven't I haven't watched an episode that like hit me you know as, as strikingly as that story did mm-hmm. um and of course he's Asian so it's just like give mm-hmm. me more of that I'm doing more of, of everybody else's perspective. I'm, I'm, I'm frightfully bored uh, <laughs> with, with visual media. Wow. I don't, I'm tired of kind of, um, I'm tired of stand, stand <laughs> in things, uh, your, your, your dooms, most of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, um, um, I am, I'm tired of uh, Game of Thrones 
esque kind of the the Tolkien with the elves and thing. I just I want mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. else, um, and I, I want to be able to consume these stories in a medium that's not just on the page. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that more um, short stories, um, more anthology series, kind of like make it into existence. That's that's probably um, my main one. I, I want the field in general to also to kind of be able to sustain itself without a reliance on a pro-Nazi platform. So <laughs> if if they could work that out some type of way, that would be nice. I don't know what that looks like. I'm tired of coming up with ideas. I hope somebody else does it. Mm, that's that fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. You've come up with so many ideas. Yeah. I just, I, I want the field to be around for a very long time and for the people who run the venues to be paid to do it mm-hmm. um, and not have to put all of their money into paying contributors or, you know, like platform costs, um, you know, like maintaining websites and stuff. I just, mm-hmm. I want everyone who's involved in this to, to flourish um, at least as well as novel writers are supposed to be flourishing. Yes. Yeah. It does feel like, yeah, between Patreon and all these things, like, it's like how many times can you can you run a campaign like that? Before? Yeah, you gotta you have to if you have to kickstart your your next year of funding every right. single every year, year <laughs> yeah. like that's it, it's got to be exhausting. And then to yeah. you know maintain staff and then not be able to pay them, you know, just right. I, yeah. I I I all all the rant like just globally, I I would like us to kind of move to a for a way of doing things where we are not relying on people to do stuff for the love of the game like I would like them to be able to to pay their bills and you know maybe eat out occasionally or yeah yeah I have I have a Lego obsession and so like I need (laughs) another job just to fund that like I just I want people to to make money off of the things that they love doing right for the community yeah these are air quotes I'm doing for people who are not able to see me (laughs) There are air quotes. Yes, I've seen them. Yeah. Well, I know when we introduced you, um, we we uh, out of your many accolades, we also mentioned that you are the project manager for FIA. But you recently announced that in 2023, at some point, um, you'll be retiring from FIA. Yep. Um, So we would love you just to share, you know, what was the most rewarding part of your time there? Um, Most rewarding? Just being able to, you know, I think, let me see. So I was also art director for the first five years. Um, Geneva Bowers was our, um, the the first year we just had the one um, cover artist for everything. So I commissioned Mm. um, Geneva to do, you know, our first four issues, you know, in in case we didn't survive, you know, past the first (laughs) year. And then she ended up getting a Hugo Award for best artist. And so that was yeah. like, this is my first foray as an art director. And I already have an award-winning just artist. Crushing so it. Yeah. That wow, was yeah. extremely cool. Um, and then just being able to kind of keep this thing going for years. I mean, we're coming up on, what is this? We'll be at like like 30 issues or something soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's 30 issues of all black writers and a lot of them were debuts and mm-hmm. they like we we were a dream market for them you know something that we yeah. we created out of spite <laughs> I came <laughs> I came out of the first black spec, spec the black spec fic report where we were only 
um, I think it was 2.1% of the field, which is yeah. why I came into existence because we were yeah. like, you know, fuck that, we're out here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something built out of spite ended up being sustainable and we, we generated a lot of career opportunities for all of our contributors and um, our, our staff. Um, people who work with us go off to do like great things. So just being part of having built you know, something like that, that will hopefully endure long, long after I'm gone. Um, the the will, first fire, yeah, the first fire magazine, the, the ancestral um, fire uh, was out in 1926, authored by the, um, the, what is it? The, what do they call themselves? Nigarati Manor, uh, the Harlem Renaissance, uh, mm-hmm. Langston Hughes, Zoriel Hurston, mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did this one singular issue of um, Fire um, magazine with two exclamation points. And uh, then their headquarters burned down and they could not do it again. Um, and so we kind of picked up that torch. And so kind of having that kind of callback be, you know, they could not continue and we did. And so um, that's that's also pretty special. Like, yeah. Having having that relationship to history. So did you say 1926? Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have four years till the centennial. So let's at least keep it going. I mean, how dope would that be? Right, please. That would be so yes. (laughs) Come on, Twitter, keep it together. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So because we we are very like kind of Twitter reliant too. Like we are we're we're solvent like for the next few years. Like we've had some pretty substantial um, endowments come in. So like we we've got money for a while. We've had we haven't had to um, fundraise or like do subscription drives for at mm-hmm. least a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so money's there. We just we got to make sure that the the readership stays there and that we don't rely on highly publicized tragedies in order to draw attention to the works Black creatives are doing. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Al. My pleasure. It's um. Yeah, it's it's nighttime now, but yes, <laughs> it's nighttime. We're still we're what, four, it's four, always... four days into standard time, and I'm still like, where did the sun go? I have no oh, idea. <laughs> every year, every year, I'm shocked. Yeah, every single year. Is it creeping up? I feel like the the roll back the clocks thing, like it's like it'll be in October, like next year or something. It's very. Is it? I don't know. Everything feels weird. my relationship to time is just shot. But yes, absolutely. But yeah, thank you. This will be having me. Yeah. This will be hugely helpful. Okay. Well, as always, thanks for listening, y'all. If you haven't already, follow us at Afronauts Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. To support the production of this podcast, you can find us at Afronauts Pod on Kofi or check the link in the show notes. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, and review.